Hey friends, it's Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous, and I'm your host, Julia. And on today's show, Amy Albertson is here, and we are talking Asian representation in Hollywood. Whether your account needs a refresh or you're just starting out, Amy Albertson will jumpstart your personal brand and strategy with Instagram Power Hour, a jam-packed power coaching session for anyone looking to enhance their brand or business's Instagram presence. You will walk away with tangible action steps and workbooks to keep you on track with your goals. For more information, visit www.amyalbertson.com amyalbertson.com slash power hour. Amy Albertson is a Jewish advocate and educator from California. While living in Israel for six years, she created the Asian Israeli, where she cataloged her experiences as a Chinese American Jewish woman. She's an active online voice for mixed Jews, particularly highlighting her experience as an Asian American Jewish woman. We first met during Future Thought Leader in the summer of 2021, hosted by Femily. When I started following her on Instagram, I started learning so much about Jewish culture, which is a whole other show that she and I could do together. Anyway, Amy, welcome mm-hmm. to the show. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here with you, Julia. Um, yes, I generally talk a lot about being Jewish, but I am also Asian, and I'm so excited to talk to you today about Asian representation in the media because it's a conversation that I've been following my whole life and now more consciously as an adult, right? <laughs> yes. Oh, I love it. I'm excited too because we haven't really had a lot of conversations centered around um, Asian American experiences on the show. So this is exciting for me. On November 6th, 2018, the New York Times ran an op-ed by Tessaly LaForce titled, Why Do Asian Americans Remain Largely Unseen in Film and Television? LaForce reports, representation of Asians within American performing arts has always been alarmingly small. A recent study by the University of Southern California's Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism showed Asian Americans representing only 1% of all leading roles in Hollywood. The 2017 United States Census Bureau reported that there are 18 million Americans of Asian descent or roughly 6% of the population. So Amy, I want to start with talking about Disney's 1998 animated feature Mulan. Roger Ebert called the movie an impressive achievement with a story and treatment ranking with Beauty and the Beast and The Lion King. So tell me about your first memories of watching this movie and how it impacted you. So Mulan, I think, is like the first conscious memory I have of like what we could call Asian representation in the media. Like, look, I'll admit to you, I was seven years old in 1998. But that being said, like, I remember my family being like excited, like Mm -hmm. 
you know, when you get, I think it's kind of like a modern, this is like a modern validation for any group, right? Like when you get a Disney princess, you've made it into the main ethos of what, like the world. Yes. So the film, so first of all, the film that was like amazing. And Mulan herself is not only like for Asians, but like a great female character where she, you know, she pretends to be a man and goes to war, even though her dad and her family are like, don't do that. Um, Oh God, the dogs. Okay, my dog regularly makes an appearance with barking or drinking out of the water bowl. Okay. So, yeah. So, Mulan, first of all, like, when Mulan came out, it was really big for my family. Not necessarily because we're so Chinese. Like, we're very American. But it is a huge deal, like, to get your own Disney princess. And then for me, as a kid, I finally got to have a Chinese Barbie doll. And I think that that's, like, such an interesting connection between, like... You know, I guess until Disney made a film about Asian, an Asian girl, like mm-hmm. they didn't think it was important enough to have like an Asian Barbie doll. Um, and so, you know, I guess I, all the nerdy sidekick characters didn't deserve a doll. Right. <laughs> but I understand what you mean. I remember I remember being in Target the first time I saw a black Barbie and thinking, oh, my God, I need this. And I think I was probably eight or nine years old. like that's a long time to go without seeing yourself in the toy aisle (laughs) yeah like i always had a i mean i had all the barbies but like Teresa was my favorite barbie because she had like brown hair but i don't look anything like Teresa, and she's certainly not asian right um but yeah so that was i think like next to being able to like watch a disney princess who was asian you know the the whole cultural impact that that has on like other industries like getting toys that look like me was really exciting yeah i recently found a raggedy ann doll that's brown and my mom reminded me that she had to make it because they did not make brown raggedy ann and i thought oh my gosh yeah i you forget i forget sometimes like that you don't we didn't have when we're not white we didn't necessarily have I mean, you walk down the toy aisle and it's still not, it's, it's more diverse now than it was 30 years ago, but still, there's still a little, right. We wouldn't be having these conversations if it was, you know, everything was being done right. (laughs) Right. And I think it's, it's just interesting, um, you know, because I think we just took it for granted, right? We didn't think that there was another choice. So we were just like, okay, yeah, I play with my white baby dolls and, and that's that, you know, but I'm glad that now it's more of a conversation and hopefully one day it won't even need a conversation. It will just be. Yeah. Did you ever do, were you ever into American Girl dolls? Yeah. So I was into American Girl dolls, but I loved Samantha, who again is a white girl. Um, but my aunt, one thing we loved about American Girl dolls was my aunt, you know, they used to have, I think now you can just like build a Barrett where you like pick the different features but then they had like all these versions of dolls you could get and pick one that looked the most like you so my aunt got a little Asian girl American girl doll that looked like her and I thought it was like the coolest thing but those things were so expensive my parents were like you already have one you're not getting another one right American girl was so smart by moving into that realm of like create your own um just because they had the standard here's our three girls, the American revolutionary girl. Like this, there was only three when I was little. So here's the American revolutionary girl. Oh, wow. Okay. The there West- were definitely more. Yeah. yeah. When they introduced Addie, I was like, oh my God. Yeah. And I was too old 
by the time they introduced Addie, but I still was like, yes, I will take the Addie American Girl books. Like, yeah. That's how desperate, you know, yeah. sometimes you can feel for like, I'm out of the age range. Anyway, I don't know if there's an Asian American story though in the American Girl storyline. This is not scripted. I there's just, not, there's going. not, um, there's not, but they did get a Jewish girl, but she is, um, yeah, she's cool, but she's a little bit, you know, uh, what we call in like maybe the Jewish community like Ashkenormative okay. Jewish American princess stereotype a bit mm. so I have some problems with her um, but you know that's a story for another podcast <laughs> we can pin that for when, when you come back so we can talk about Jewish representation in media so earlier in the article I referenced the author goes on to note that the the New York Times recently reported that in the search for the male lead in Crazy Rich Asians, one of the movie's producers was told by several prominent American theater schools that they hadn't had a male Asian graduate in years. A study by multiple universities reported that over a one-year period of the 242 scripted shows on broadcast, cable, and streaming TV, just one-third had a series regular who was Asian, American, or Pacific Islander. So anyone who's been listening to the show regularly knows that I just want my life to be a buttoned up rom-com. Like that's all I want, but rom-coms are dominated <laughs> by white narratives. It's true. It's a problem. It's probably why I'm going to die alone. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I just need a meet cute. I just need it to like be all perfect and cute, yeah. whatever. Anyway, mm -hmm. But rom-coms are dominated by white narratives and white casts with maybe a quirky best friend who maybe, if we're lucky, represents a minority group. But Crazy Rich Asians mm -hmm. released on August 15th, 2018 and was adapted for film from the Kevin Kwan book of the same name, which is actually a trilogy for those of you listening if you're not familiar. The movie was met with mixed reviews and criticism and a Rotten Tomato audience score of 76%. Though... It could be argued rom-coms are generally underrated and underappreciated as a whole. But I'd say that's true. Thank you, Amy. I appreciate you being on my team for that. <laughs> Definitely on your team for that. But Henry Golding, who's beautiful, is the first Asian mm. male lead in a rom-com that I can remember. And criticism aside, I can't believe the first time in my life seeing a sexy male lead of Asian descent was at the age of 34. I do want to point out, though, that Henry Golding is tea mixed, which posed to be a problem for some people. But a romantic comedy starring an all Asian cast was long overdue. So let's talk about this movie and what it means for the bigger conversation about love interests. And for our friends listening at home, here's a real quick summary of Crazy Rich Asians if you haven't seen slash read the books. Rachel Chu is happy you to should watch and read it. Yes, agreed. Rachel Chu is happy to accompany her longtime boyfriend, Nick, to his best friend's wedding in Singapore. She's also surprised to learn that Nick's family is extremely wealthy, and he's considered one of the country's most eligible bachelors. Thrust into the spotlight, Rachel must now contend with jealous socialites, quirky relatives, and something far, far worse, Nick's disapproving mother. Which is fear, which is a scary thing in any culture, by the way. <laughs> like that's not I limited. Know. I was just thinking, like. <sighs> so I want to talk about the significance of a rom com not only being an all Asian cast, but also at least in my memory, it's the first one that had a major distribution with an Asian leading man. So let's mm -hmm. talk about it. I don't. Yeah. Even, I, so. Yeah. So I love. I mean, so Crazy Rich Asians is such an interesting thing because because it was like one of the most 
I think it's one of the more recent, like most visible, huge Asian productions, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's an all Asian cast. Um, it's not just like it stars an Asian, like every character essentially in the whole movie is yeah. Asian. So that's like really incredible in and of its own. But like you said, it was like hotly debated in the community because it shows a type of Asian that like most of us don't relate with. Like, I'm not a crazy rich Asian. I'm crazy, but I'm not rich. <laughs> um, <laughs> my family's crazy, but not rich. So, um, you know, like it doesn't represent me really at all. And there is the the character of Rachel Chu, who is the Asian American, right? And she, so this whole kind of dichotomy of like Asian from Asia versus mm. Asian American is really important, I think, because, you know, Chinese people from China will tell me like, you're not Chinese, you're American, which is true. I don't yeah. speak Chinese. I grew up in America. I'm third and, third and fourth generation American. And, you know, so there's something to be said about that. But yeah, the problematic representation of Asians as like being these really wealthy people mm -hmm. is just really not representative of like most Asians in America, I would yeah. say. Yeah, because they do in the movie, you know, they comment a couple of times what it, they call them. Uh, they call her they refer to her as an, an ABC American ABC. Born, yeah. So mm -hmm. American. Born yeah. Chinese, so ABC right? is. <laughs> yeah abc is american born chinese and then you'll sometimes also hear the term banana which is yellow mm. on the outside white on the inside mm. um i've also heard it as twinkie but less um <laughs> twinkie, which is yellow on the outside and white on the inside but banana is definitely the more common, common yeah. um the common thing used but like what i also wanted to um, you, so you brought up Henry Golding, who, mm -hmm. yes, um, thank you, Henry Golding, for gracing the screen with your presence. And being shirtless. Um, yes. Um, but yes, it is. Scene, you know. <sighs> Sorry. He definitely is like our first, one of our first Asian sex symbols, right? Mm -hmm. And the interesting irony, I suppose, is that Asian women are like historically sexualized yeah. and fetishized and mm -hmm. overly sexualized mm -hmm. and asian men are on the other side where everyone's like you know it's like a whole thing about like does like won't date asians or like no asians please in your tinder profile yeah which is so and weird to me i don't understand that okay so i have to i mean i'll be i'll admit i'm guilty myself of never dating an asian but i don't think it was ever conscious that i was like i don't like asians okay um it just never happened i don't know if that comes from like that I'm mixed and my dad is the non-Asian parent, possibly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, although my boyfriend is black and my dad is not. So, <laughs> you know, who knows? But I but I actually asked my brother. I asked him because, you know, he's the Asian male. I'm not an Asian male mm -hmm. um, for anyone keeping score. <laughs> um, so I asked him, I was like, oh, do you think that you've ever had trouble, you know, in this regard because you're an Asian male, but he's much more white passing than I am. So he mm. was saying like, his issue is that he's usually trying to date Asian women. He He's very much more um, into Asian women and they don't think he's Asian enough. Or if they do like him or if they are attracted to him, it's for his whiteness, which bothers him because he oh. wants to feel more Asian, which is a whole thing about being mixed. Yes. That you're never enough. Yeah, a friend of mine and I were talking about that the other day. Um, we were having this conversation about we had just done this panel for guests who's coming to dinner, and we were and I was telling them I said it's been really hard dating in this town because 
you know, people say things to me like, well, why do you even care about, you know, black issues and all this stuff? You're light. Cool. So I'm going to have to say thanks for dinner. I got to go. <laughs> like, I'm people on the podcast, I realize you can't see my face, but I'm making the most like, are you serious face right now? You know, and it's like a number one, it doesn't matter how light I am. The point is, is I still hate, like my father's still black. I'm still black. Like there is a line there, but it's not, I'm personally trying to move away from the language of half and half because like, same it's, it's not really, that's not really true. It's just what we've always said. Um, but that whole being mixed is such a, it's, I don't want to say it's a mind fuck, but sometimes it can be, especially when you're trying. Yeah. To can you say that on the podcast? Yeah. We cuss all the time. Oh, okay, cool. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, like, look, being mixed is really hard. I used to always say like, oh, I'm half this and half that, mm -hmm. but it's like the reality of the situation is like, yes, half of my DNA comes from an Asian woman and mm -hmm. half of my DNA comes from a Jewish man. But at the end of the day, like I'm a whole person and anything that's like anti-Asian or anti-Semitic affects me 100%. It's mm -hmm. not like, oh, I'm only like half hurt by it or, you know, people only right. half want to kill me want to kill Jews you know so it just right. I go away from that just like you know people aren't half racist to you as if you're black half black like right well I'm only like I'm only like half think that she's you know whatever they think about black mm -hmm. people they, they they just think about you as a black person so mm -hmm. yeah and, the yeah, half situation is not it's hard especially too when you're like coming from when you're removed from like all of your people like we're the only ones in California mm -hmm. So that makes a difference too. I don't know. We have a lot of, we have a lot of uh, exploring to do. I think we haven't been allowed as mixed people to explore what it means because one of the sides will come at you with like, well, my struggle is harder. No one's, no one's saying that your struggle isn't harder. Yeah. <laughs> like that's not what we're saying. Yeah. <laughs> we're just saying, acknowledge that every, there's a struggle for like all of us, light, dark, doesn't matter. Definitely. And this comes from, you know, we, we get it from both, both sides, right? Where it's like a person asking you like, well, you're not even that black. So why do you care about black issues? But then you also get it from your own community. Like we get it from our own communities, mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, Asians don't think I'm Asian enough. Jews don't think I'm Jewish enough. And then non-Jews or non-Asians also think I'm not enough of each of those things. Right. Or, you know, why do you care about these things? Um, but what's really interesting, going back to yeah, sorry, the original segue, topic. <laughs> going going back to no, this is all really relevant, like yeah. to the conversation and like going back to what you specifically pointed out about Henry Golding being mixed is another thing I asked my brother about being mixed, um, about being Asian and like the whole thing of you know men not Asian men not being attractive or stereotypically not being attractive. I asked him like, do you think media has had an impact on you in that way? And he was like, well, you know, honestly, Asian media didn't really resonate with him because he's mixed and he's more white passing and he mm. never saw mixed you know Asians are almost always full Asian if right. in the media right um and so he was like yeah well you know I'm mixed and I'm I visually am much more like white looking he's much more white looking than I am mm -hmm. and so he was like yeah you know like I don't look like the Asians I see on TV you know, I don't, I don't look like really anybody that I see on TV and I don't still look like the Asians that I see on TV. That's interesting for a lot of reasons, because I find that 
more recently, like in, when I go back to the catalog of stuff that I've watched growing up, it was you're hard pressed to find an Asian character who wasn't forced to speak in an accent. So it wasn't like they could exist here. Like these characters could not have existed here prior to, you know, them coming to America, which isn't always the story. So you're creating a narrative that all Asians are immigrants right now, rather than like, Yes, there's Asian, there's Which, Chinese history in California for a century, if not longer. Exactly. So this so problematic on so many levels, like one, it's historically inaccurate as far as Chinese people go. Right. And like, of course, the Asian spectrum is broad, yes. but Chinese people have been coming to America since the 1800s. Yes. That's when Chinese immigration really started. And my my Chinese side of my family is more generations american than my other side of my family Mm. um and so this is also something that as far as asian representation asian american representation goes in in media is like asian characters always have to have like distinctly like asian characteristics or something like that that really ties them to being very asian so you know they speak chinese Mm -hmm. or things like this but it's like where are the asian american characters who just exist in america who descended from asians the only Mm -hmm. one i can personally think about is uh glenn from the walking dead (laughs) who is a korean guy from atlanta but he's not like he's korean because he is you know his family descends from from koreans but he you know, he's like a pizza delivery boy or something and he just ends up in the apocalypse and he's from Atlanta and that's it. He like nothing about him other than like visually is Korean. He doesn't speak right. Korean or anything. So, right. Yeah. So this is a really good segue into the next topic, which is, you know, there was a lot of backlash about this movie. People were upset by the lightness of the actors. Some were even frustrated that Henry Golding was cast and he's mixed. So therefore he's not quote fully Asian. And I know these conversations, this type of conversation about within the black community about black actors, like that shit fucks with my head sometimes. So I've spent a lot of time offline in my personal life discussing those things. So I'm curious, like, how do these public conversations affect you, Amy? But then also some of the characters, like with what you were saying, with they're not, they're not allowed to be like american who look asian or however you phrased it i apologize Mm -hmm. yeah yeah yeah. but like one of the characters in crazy rich asians she's like she's got an asian um, an asian parent i think the parent is mixed and so she's mixed and so like people lost their shit that she didn't look asian but she has like asian descent and asian i forget specifically like where she fell in the spectrum and I should have researched that before we hopped on here, but she's also in La La Land. Um, She plays one of the friends in La La Land. But like, I remember just people losing their shit about her being in this movie and claiming to be Asian. And I thought, oh my God, like that's kind of triggering for me as a black woman who's told that she's not black enough and hardly ever gets cast in theaters being able to play a black person. (laughs) (laughs) I mean- yeah it it, like it kind of goes to the conversation that we touched on a little bit about you know half and half or like not feeling like enough um that i think is not only a struggle for mixed asian people it's also a struggle for asian americans who are very just american Mm -hmm. they you know they often we don't speak our native language um 
you know, we eat Americanized versions of our food. We don't necessarily celebrate the holidays in the same way as, you know, like I don't celebrate Chinese New Year's in the way that Chinese people from China mm. celebrate it. Um, I'm sure because we're American and we've been in America a long time. And also it has to be, I think it's also, I don't know if Asians from Asia maybe have a resentfulness towards Asian Americans for this, but in the Asian immigrant community, like when Asian immigrants came to America, a lot of them just like shed a lot of their Asian-ness in ways where it's like they wanted their kids to be American because they didn't mm. want them to deal with racism or being pinned as foreigners and they wanted them to have this um you know for lack of a better term proximity to whiteness mm -hmm. um so that's where a lot of the things of like become high achieving and educated and you know learn english and don't speak chinese because we don't want you to have an accent and um you know be a doctor be a lawyer be these high things in society that will get you respected as an american um and not be seen as a foreigner because right. um you know even in the asian representations of asian americans on in the media we have this characteristic of always you're still foreign right mm -hmm. like you're still from this foreign land i think i sent you that youtube video um i again i should have noted the name of the man who made it but he's chinese but he's been in america for 10 years and he looks at shang chi which shang chi is a great movie love it i think everyone should see it probably mm -hmm. one of the best marvel movies and i'm not saying that just because i'm asian no but really um, it's beautiful it's just beautiful visual i think best fighting choreography in all of yes! marvel i'm sorry like yes. uh, i will stand by that <laughs> i will stand by that yes. um but what he says basically this man he, he does a, a video essay on youtube and, and his basic thesis is like shang chi is a good movie for asian representation because they have a lot of really good Chinese culture built into it and they do that in a really beautiful way. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, Shang-Chi, the character who, you know, he comes to America, he's been living there for a really long time. He's being Asian American, American, and yet he can only fulfill his full potential and be like who he really is by returning mm. to China and like being Chinese. So um, it's kind of perpetuating this, this feeling of like you know go back to where you came from or like mm. that's where you belong um and Interesting. and yeah at first glance yeah and at first you know i watched it twice in theaters uh i won't lie we i saw it twice and um <laughs> paid all that money to see it twice i support that. Um, i mean look it did really great in the box offices yeah. which is amazing but yeah. um i like personally didn't realize that mm -hmm. upon watching it but once i saw that he explained this i was like oh you're right. Like, that's so true. Even in Crazy Rich Asians, mm -hmm. you know, you have Rachel Chu's character who her mom, like Rachel Chu is first generation in the movie. Yeah. And she feels all these inadequacies about like not being Chinese enough um, because she's American. Mm -hmm. And her mom, you know, went through a lot of shit in China yeah. and like really wanted her daughter to be, you know, successful in yeah. America. Yeah. I thought it was interesting in the book, you know, that her mom lives in California, like Palo Alto-ish area, if I remember correctly. Um, mm -hmm. But in the movie, they relocate everybody to New York. And I thought that was an interesting choice. Yeah. Because 
again, it's kind of forcing this narrative of like, if you're Chinese American, you can only live in certain locations. Like we can't like Palo Alto has, I mean, you're in California too. So, you know, Palo Alto, Stanford's there. There's like a very wealthy community there, but then also there's like the other side of Palo Alto. Um, and I can't fully remember cause it's been a while since I've read the books, but like there's, it just, to me, it felt like, oh, I love seeing this woman making her life as a single parent in California, because that's my story, regardless of our, you know, we're ethnically different, but you know, I see her with a grown child who like, she came from nothing in the book Mm -hmm. and like managed to make a successful life. And I thought it was interesting, the commentary about like, cause you know, it's very American to like pick yourself up by the bootstraps and, you know, Mm self-made man, like that's such an American narrative, Mm -hmm. but in the book. And I think they touched a little bit on about it in the movie, but not as heavily that had no Mm -hmm. respect. Like nobody gave a shit that her mom worked hard and was able to take care of herself and be successful in another country like Rachel was still trash in their mind because like yeah you know well first of all to to comment on like them moving her to moving everyone to New York from being in California that kind of makes me mad partially because I'm from you know Sacramento the Bay Area my family's from the Bay Area my grandma my Chinese grandmother was in Chinatown in San Francisco and I think a lot of I mean, look, if you wanted to be properly representing Asian Americans, um, Asian American history, no shade, but a little shade to like New York Chinatown, Asian American history started in California. And like the original Chinatown is in San Francisco. And um, and there are tons of Asians, especially in the Bay Area. Um, So, you know, it's like, yeah, okay, but Palo Alto, like you said, that's a whole other level of um of like okay lady what hustle are you on can i get on it um but (laughs) like i can't live in palo alto Mm uh no i I mean i don't know i can barely live in california Um, anymore (laughs) i know i'm really (laughs) i just moved back here in january from israel and i'm like dear lord i want to stay in california but i don't know if it's going to be possible but we're we're going to try right <laughs> but, but yeah that, that's i didn't yeah. i didn't yeah the, the, rachel, the culture of rachel and nick are in new york but rachel's originally from mm-hmm. california but they remove that mm-hmm. element for the movie mm-hmm. and i just thought that was an interesting creative choice because i don't know california and new york are so different and then you add the layer of being yeah you know, for Asian sure. american in there too i think that was a missed opportunity to explore a little bit better Sure. And I also, you know, I mean, it's not, I don't think it's really in the book either, but something that would be, or I would love to see in a movie sometime, maybe someone will write about my life, I don't know, but is, you know, Asian Americans who grow up in places where there are not a lot of other Asians, Mm. but also Asian Americans who grow up, like I grew up in a place where Look, I grew up in Sacramento. It's very diverse. I know you're pretty near here. Super diverse. Definitely different than most of America. Also, lots of Asians as far as diversity goes. And, like, being Asian was not abnormal to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I was surrounded by a lot of Asians. And I also was surrounded by a lot of mixed people. So, 
I didn't think that being mixed was so hard until I left Sacramento and was like, oh, shoot, like, that's not really common and people yeah. find it to be weird. Yeah, I I run the hurdle of being fetishized because I'm mixed and then and then also people asking the most ignorant questions. And part of me is just like, oh, that's you're definitely cute. you're cute. But then the other part of me is like, how old are you that you still have to ask that question? Like, come on, we have the internet in our pocket now. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Also, like, it's not like there aren't prominent mixed people out there that you should know about. Like, hello, Barack Obama. But right? like, I don't know. People are just so ignorant. I don't know. Well, that actually is an interesting, that could be a, an, inter that's an interesting conversation because, you know, he's built, that's a whole, yeah, he's built as the first African-American president and yes. And mm -hmm. he was raised by white people, which is like, okay. It's mm -hmm. like, you're negating the fact. Uh, anyway, we don't have that kind of time for that conversation, but yeah. Uh, it's interesting though. Next, like next time <laughs> we'll talk about being mixed next time. Next time. Um, but in the case of Henry Golding, like, I mean, people, people were really upset that he was the one cast to be this lead. And I don't, I don't, I don't know. I'm just kind of like, as a mixed person, I'm not mixed with any Asian descent as we've well established, mm -hmm. but as a mixed person <laughs> coming at it, it just felt like, okay, so even mixed, like, you're still telling us we're not enough where you're still telling us we can't play these roles. You're still telling us that we're not allowed in. Like you're mad that we're here. Like that's what it felt like to me. Right. Yeah. And I can see it from both sides, right? Like I am team mixed as you like to call it, which I love. Um, I'm team mixed and I can see it from the perspective of like, yeah, okay. So like, because he's mixed, he's not Asian enough to play an Asian character. And on the other side of that, I can see where this was like a huge yeah. movie to represent Chinese people. And the character itself is a full Chinese person. Right. And so it's like, does he look you know, does he look, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, nobody can yeah. see that, it's a podcast. <laughs> uh, does he quote unquote look Chinese enough uh, to represent this particular culture or, or people properly? I could see where that is an issue. But, you know, like, this is, and this can go into a whole other conversation, which we aren't going to get into today, of the whole thing of like, who can play different types of people right. because acting is acting where you are playing a character blah 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 the whole thing um we can talk about that later but yeah i can see it from both sides um but then you know we we've moved forward and we have other we have other full representations of asian characters out there like you know we have shang chi we have mm -hmm. um simu liu who's also gorgeous i know um, i was like and has a and i love the shirtless scene, like spoiler alert shirtless scene where then you know aquafina's character is like, like where's your shirt because it's like because we're all thinking where's your shirt yes. but we're all like yes thank you marvel yes for removing the shirt um yes. sorry to objectify you simu liu i think you love it but i can't speak for you i just love it when they take make them take their shirts off like thank you like i'm with you on that like marvel i appreciate you so much because women have had to be naked for so long in hollywood i'm not yes okay. yes i'm not saying it's right or wrong i'm just saying equity equality man that's if we have to be naked you have to be naked damn it <laughs> also like female fans you know want we have needs you too. know what to see what to work with i shouldn't say female fans i should say you know fans who enjoy the male body yes um you know hello like 
we're also trying to watch this movie and mm -hmm. you know we like that little extra Mm hmm. for us Mm hmm. That's that we're was gonna the get scene. In Are we gonna get canceled? I don't know. I've been openly objectifying people on the show for a while. So, <laughs> okay, great. like Okay, a couple great. of weeks ago, Okay, somebody great. was on and she's like, Chris Evans or Chris Pine? And I was like, America's Oh, right, ass. Like, right. I didn't even call him his name. Yeah. <laughs> um, but with, with Crazy Rich, to go back to Crazy Rich Asians, when they're on that like private island, he and his best friend, and I was like, I don't know what they're saying right now. I just, why yeah have also Colin Colin? Where has Colin yeah been? also Like, why have he's you? in other things, but I... but this so this movie yeah was like I think 2018. he's been in other things, but I'm I'm just like, why aren't you yeah. guys hiring? One, they were so good in the movie, but two, like, where are you hiding mm -hmm. these people? Like, stop it, stop it. right and and this is part of the problem right that like okay so. white white people for a lack you know whatever let's just say what it call what it is like white actors can play characters who aren't specified of a certain race Right. as lead characters but other races cannot for example you know and right now we're talking about asians so right it's like the plethora of amazing asian actors and actresses that were in crazy rich asians um why haven't we seen them well it's because they've only played asian roles or they've been in asian cinema and they could have been playing lead ro
because it's based on a true story or something like that and like her oh, character was that like a straight to dvd type of movie i never heard no of. it wasn't in, it wasn't out for very long straight to netflix <laughs> i love that you just i love that you just asked that because I, I think they what's wanted the to, modern equivalent right because i think they maybe like not buried it but like people started saying like the murmurs of like emma stone's character is actually supposed to be an asian like that's an actual Asian character it takes place in Hawaii like why isn't this it played by an well, Asian actress right and so that's yeah and that's the hypocrisy of it right because there are characters who are supposed to be Asian mm-hmm. there's also Scarlett Johansson in um I don't remember what it is I feel like a bad Asian right 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 um, um where Scarlett Johansson yeah. is character is played this you know a she's definitely it's an anime character yeah so she's supposed to be asian and it yeah. said they can make so it's like okay so why can you take you know an asian character or a character or a hispanic character or any of these characters and whitewash them and make them a white person so that you yeah. can have your big name star why wouldn't you just keep the race of the character and then make someone a big star and i think right. at the end of the day it's about money and that you know scarlett johansson probably sells a lot more tickets than the first person i can think of right now which is not a good example and she would never play that character is aquafina right like so um i think we're and that's why it's really exciting when things like you know um for those who don't know shang chi broke all the box office Mm -hmm. records and it's huge and that's amazing and this was also a debate about the movie mulan the live action version actually about boycotting it because the main actress she came out and like said a bunch of controversial things about like the Chinese government and the protests in Hong Kong basically kind of you know I don't know exactly what she said but her but the main idea was that she was kind of like supporting the Chinese government's Mm. um you know oppression basically and people were like boycott the movie but other Asians were like here's why you shouldn't boycott the movie because when Disney sees that a movie that's a you know an Asian movie does not do well in the cinema they will say, okay, it's not worth our money best mm. in Asian media. Mm-hmm. And that's like a struggle, right? Like, oh, okay, so we're going to support this woman who's supporting, you know, an evil communist regime because we don't want to lose Asian representation in our American media? Great. Yeah. And that's hard because at the end of the day, you are dealing with business people. Nobody cares about the art of it. Mm-hmm. Nobody cares about the representation of it. Mm-hmm. These are number crunchers who are trying to make a profit and, you know, get rich. Which is unfortunate. Especially for Disney. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Disney's a whole beast. In late 2019, the LA Times ran a listicle, the 20 best Asian American films of the last 20 years, which includes Crazy Rich Asians. Rotten Tomato ranks the best Ooh. Asian American movies of all time, which goes as far back as the 1950s, but only includes a total of 68 films. Only 10 of those films listed were before 2000, even though the last 20 years have have given audiences more stories about Asian Americans, there's still a significant lack of representation. This list includes movies like Karate Kid, but it also includes movies like The Joylet Club and Minari, which the book, The Joylet Club listeners, if you haven't read it, 
do it. Wow. Read the book, watch the movie. So good. So good. But many of the films from the 2000s, I had never heard of before. Like, it felt like, oh, is this an obscure movie? But then you look at the cast, you're like, no, I know that person's name. Like, what the hell? Like, why isn't this on our radar? So I want to talk about- So I'm I'm curious what qualifies something as an Asian American film. Right. Because Karate Kid's on this fucking list. (laughs) Yeah, which is like, it's Asian American because- Mr. Miyagi, Mr. Miyagi isn't it like, is he um, the only reason but isn't he well also is he Asian American or is he Japanese from Japan I don't remember but also I think he's what Japanese I guess I mean Japan. because he because in the second one I think and in he, the like, second or the third one they go back to Japan yeah and he also I, like okay it's Asian American because he teaches a part of Asian culture so- to Americans Amy, listen to this. So Cobra Kai <laughs> is Netflix's like reboot Karate Kid situation. And so first of all, Cobra Kai is trash. I'm not a fan, but my mom so my mom loves all cheesy things and she my mom's a big Karate Kid fan, so she also likes Cobra Kai. But anyway, yeah, I I can't I can't watch it. I have to admit something that's really embarrassing. I totally watch it but it's garbage and I hate watch it. I hate yeah. watch it. But there's an episode where they're <laughs> like, oh, what's his, what's his name? The Italian kid that moved from New York. They're like, you're culturally appropriating because of all these things. And he's like, I'm not doing that because Mr. Miyagi, like that was my mentor. And it was like this whole thing where oh, I was just no. like, I feel trash. like that was their attempt to address. Yeah, I feel like that was them directly probably addressing critics who were saying they're culturally appropriating it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, that's why, because you said the list includes Karate Kid, the Joy Luck Club, and Minari. So Minari, Joy Luck Club, very Asian American, clearly. Such good movies um, and book. The so Luck quality. Club. Yeah, so quality, so great to learn about. Um, all Amy Tan books. Amy Tan yeah. also. Uh, Watch. There's like a documentary about her on one of uh, one of the streaming services about her. Incredible. Anyway, I digress. But <laughs> yeah, Karate Kid just doesn't fall into the same category for me. That's why I'm like, what's an Asian American movie? Like a movie that includes at least one Asian American in the main cast, or maybe I don't know. What? <laughs> so we got to get into I'm gonna- it. How can Hollywood do better by our friends and family in regards to telling Asian Americans and Asian descent stories? Because I feel like if you're going to include Karate Kid on this list, we need to have words. (laughs) I feel like they were trying to like stuff the list to have as many as possible, maybe. And there just really aren't that many. Yeah. I don't know. And I don't know. I'm looking at the list. uh, But keep going. I'm looking. But I'm just like browsing it while we talk to kind of see what they qualify and it makes me sad so like when rotten tomatoes list there's only 68 films well there's mm-hmm. hundreds of thousands of films in existence and only 68 of them like yeah are considered asian american best but it's the best so i would i wonder if anyone's ever yeah. compiled like a full complete list of all movies that include an asian american narrative and then how large that list is in comparison to like hollywood as a whole yeah because i'm seeing some of the movies on this list because there's also things like okay right so we're we've been mostly talking about like um you know chinese mm-hmm. chinese representation to be fair and um this is like a whole issue in on itself in america like chinese and asian are synonymous with each other which is wrong because there's the full yep. spectrum of asians 
um so in that case you know there's also things like okay bollywood like bollywood yes. is is pretty popular with certain people and i think it becomes more increasingly popular um but that's like another thing right like okay does that count i guess that's asian but not asian american right because it's largely you know actually indian from india mm -hmm. um but yeah like where do they make that distinction and the big sick is of one of the lists? yeah and the big sick is one of i think is on the best asian american movies of all time from rotten tomato i think it's on that list which is a great movie um but mm -hmm. uh, kumal i forget his last name nanjiani yes so non he he yeah, wrote, i don't know how to pronounce it i'm not 100 sure either he wrote it I'm and sorry. he stars in it and he's so good in it yeah and it's just it's i guess it falls under that category of hey he's just a brown guy living in america who is happens to be this descent um so it's which i loved the big six so much but i'm a sucker for love stories <laughs> <laughs> it's a it's a darker rom-com but it yeah. is still it's still rom-com um still sweetness and love <laughs> i mean that's also like will you be my maybe right oh, um, yeah. a rom-com with two asian characters written by asians who you know they're asian american mm -hmm. but yeah so there are some i think you know moving forward as far as asian american representation goes is trying and obviously it's hard but trying to really pay homage to the spectrum of what it is to be asian american mm -hmm. and that is hard because like we said there's asians from all across the spectrum of southeast asia versus east asia versus mm -hmm. you know i mean hello china within china which is a huge country with how many different types of people and right uh, you know chinese people have their own sub-ethnic groups whatever you know there's a point where it's like don't get so nitty-gritty but also there is a common there are certain threads that are common asian american experiences mm -hmm. um or stories and for me you know being a very american on the more american side of that spectrum i think seeing more characters who are american first mm -hmm. and asian second mm -hmm. not because i want to diminish my asianness or anyone's asianness but like a lot of asians at are many generations down or like that we don't go around being like will this thing i do i saw this this tweet from simu liu who's like what is something that people always misconstrue about asians based on like asian characters he's like we are not as concerned with honor as you think <laughs> like, with like honor to our family as you think it's not like i go around thinking everything i do like will this bring honor to my family right. and like you know that's a pretty big thing in yeah. a lot of asian characters that they like emphasize because they want to yeah. make them asian and like i thought it was funny because i was like yeah dude like i totally relate um you know so seeing more characters like um glenn from the walking dead who's yes. just an asian guy from atlanta and so he is asian and they they joke about it a couple times to be like the korean guy and they're like <laughs> you mean glenn yeah um <laughs> force people into and, like uncomfortable um, situations about their racial prejudice <laughs> right yeah like, to just be like yeah he's just a guy mm -hmm. who happens to be you know he, you know he's just like everyone else or um you know the big sick Mm -hmm. character or there's like you know never another thing is never have i ever um you yeah. know i would i don't 
which is a yeah which a i love show. because i watched that show and i so also you know there's also characters like um you know mindy lahiri from uh, mindy kaling's show oh the yeah mindy the project, mindy project. Mm -hmm. fun fact my dog is named mindy after mindy kaling because i, <laughs> I love that. fucking love her yeah she's um, on the because I, I would always be like Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So yeah, like I kind of fell off earth when I moved to Israel about like a lot of things. But yeah, yeah so characters like her where like, you know, Mindy Lahiri is, um, you know, she's a successful independent woman mm -hmm. um, with everyday struggles that I relate to her as a, yeah. as a, as a female, but she's also, you know, I'm watching an Indian woman on yeah. TV, like be in charge of the whole thing. So that's like exciting. I think the spectrum is going to be hard and it's especially hard when there's not a lot when there's a, l a low volume of asian mm -hmm. american media how are you going to cover the spectrum right? right so obviously we need more so that we can cover the full spectrum yes i totally relate to that in the sense that i have this constant struggle with representation of the black community on Mm -hmm. in media because it's not all hip-hop and rap and basketball players and you know yeah. that's not it but I feel like that's a lot of what we see and or like music people you know what I yeah. mean there's just a lot there's so much more yeah that can be explored and it's hard when you don't fall into what you see in the pop culture representation mm -hmm. one because you're mixed and two because mm -hmm the mix that you are doesn't even fall into the stereotype that exists. That's important because like you said, like no Asians or black people or even white people, no one is a monolith, right? Yeah. And so that's where it's like, I think, I think one of the big ways that this will be remedied in media as far as like representing or just having a proper I don't know another word besides representation of minorities as a whole is mm -hmm. instead of always making you know we don't need to always make more asian american films i mean we should yeah. but part of that also is going to be you know things like we spoke about where it's like casting an asian as the lead role in a regular ass movie <laughs> that isn't yeah. necessarily supposed to be specifically Asian right. and, and letting that character just be that character and not feel the need to like build in, mm -hmm. you know, Asian background, like, like the number of characters that are main characters played by white people, like character development or background about them rarely covers like, their origin story right like right. where their family came from it's just mm -hmm. not important nobody cares mm -hmm. but if you cast someone i think that part of it is like if you cast someone as like you know if you cast a minority in one of those roles then they think like oh well now we need to rewrite the character to like include how they you know became right. this person if they're right. asian or if they're black it's like no you don't they're just a human and like yeah they can be ever like i don't get it we don't need to hear like we don't need to hear their ancestry like just let right. them be a secret agent i don't know yeah. <laughs> it's so it's interesting because as you're talking about that i'm thinking again back to the morning show there's a character on there and they need to watch the show she's only it's you know it's there's moments where i'm just like like You're after like, yesterday's episode i'm just like listen jennifer aniston is oh, a toxic no. human on this show i can't with this bitch oh, uh, oh my gosh but um she so there's this new character in season two and i had a little bit of issues with season one because of they had a lot of like 
characters of color who literally had very little screen time and then like would have storylines that Mm. you kind of were like wait what's going on with their storyline and now this big thing has changed and what's happening and it was just kind of frustrating um but her name on the show are you trying to look for the actress's name or the character's name both because it's escaping because the the character's name last name on the show is Pac, and that's the only thing i can Mm. remember i hate that greta lee stella buck Greta Lee plays Stella Bach on the morning show and the whole, the first couple of episodes, she's just like this badass. She's like a news. She's the news oversees the news division of the, the network. And she's just very like, she's just a badass. And then in the episode Mm -hmm. that aired on Mar on March, listen, it's October October. (laughs) episode that aired on October 15th. So they're now they're starting to deal with at this point in the series, they're starting coronavirus is coming in, you know, because it's a new show. So they're trying to bring it in and some, some fucking asshole. She's walking to get into her chauffeured car, leaving from the network. And some fucking asshole is like saying all these horrible things to her about horrible things that have been said about, you know, CV-19. And it just, Mm -hmm. she was like, she was kind of shook. And I really appreciate that. Like they showed her, she was very like solid in her delivery back to this dumb shit. But then when she got in the car, Uh she was just like, like it rattled her and you felt that rattle with her. And she did that so Mm -hmm. well, but literally it's like her being in my mind. And I could be wrong because I'm not Asian it didn't feel like they brought this character in and made her Asian and now she's Asian. It was like they brought the strong young woman in to play this character and now they're sort of weaving in certain aspects about mm-hmm. being an Asian woman in power. Um, and so that I think the morning show is getting right. There's other things that I think they're not getting right. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. I think that's, you know, that sounds like kind of the formula, right, that I'm looking for where it's like, okay, we're not ignoring that this person is Asian, but like mm. we're not defining them by their Asianness. Right. They're a full bodied character on their own, in their own right, as a woman, as a human, as, you know, a new whatever she is, a newscaster person. She's um, the president and, oh, of yeah. the news or something like oh, that. She's okay. Big, so yes. She's like making all the big time decisions. And I think she's like 32 or 33. Like the character's young. And I love that because we I've never I've I've never seen that before on TV. I mean, yeah. So like I don't know if you've watched The Chair. I haven't Netflix yet, but I love Sandra, Sandra O. o. So I mean yeah, love Sandra O. Um I've only watched a few episodes because I'm not sure how I feel about it yet, okay. but I would be really interested to hear what you have to say because, yeah, she's also an Asian-American woman character who – and the show is very much around the fact that she's, like, and a woman who is in this position as the chair of this department at the university, and her being Asian is definitely a part of it, but I haven't decided yet if it is this whole thing of, like – she has to be super mm. Asian or if they're properly kind of just inserting mm. Asian-ness into her character. I'm not sure yet. So yeah. um yeah, people can watch and you know tell Julia right to the podcast or whatever and tell yeah. us your thoughts if you've tell watched it. Audience. 
Yeah, I'm curious because I'm curious because like my issue with the more about stuff for other people because my issue with the morning show season one was this character Daniel and he's literally mm-hmm. the only black guy on the show um he's also gay and so you know a lot of the stuff that they sort of gave us for him was really interesting but then they dropped the ball and it was really hard for oh. me because it was just like I mean cut like that's a whole they centered it so much around like the white characters who were like super public facing to the point where you're just like, we get yeah. it. You know, like you gave us this really potentially juicy storyline for Daniel. And then you, mm-hmm. you, then you gave us nothing. And then in season two, they're trying to course correct for him. And I'm, again, I'm struggling with him <sighs> because the way they're course correcting kind of feels like they heard the internet reaction to his yeah I hate that and then they're not they're not like it doesn't feel like they're in it it doesn't feel like they're sincere it's not genuine Mm -hmm. yeah you're like I know that you manufactured this because people got pissed at you that's Um, what it feels like you know it's like and it's interesting because they I feel like they're handling Stella so well but then they can't they're fumbling with Daniel so it's interesting how even that works and I wonder what the writer's room looks like and what the breakdown of the writer's room looks like because yeah yeah so that's also such a huge thing um you know getting excited about that's why like you know in this past season of you know award season um you know things like asian um directors or writers getting awards not only actors and actresses Mm -hmm. because as much as we see people in the front it's like okay well who makes those decisions um and i happen to know sorry like my boyfriend and i are on this walking dead kick because he's obsessed and now i'm here for it tell us all the things but but in the walking dead there's one of the writers is um i don't know who all the writers are but one in particular is an asian woman and i'm an asian american woman and they have this other follow-up show the talking dead and sometimes they'll have writers on there and so she comes in and she talks and like obviously i see her as an asian woman being a writer on a show and um but it's not about her being you know like yeah she's not writing an asian show she writes the walking dead yeah and um that's also really an exciting thing you know as far as not only in front of the screen but like filmmakers of different colors and filmmakers not only being allowed to direct or write about you know, like for black filmmakers to only mm-hmm. make black films or for, you know, like, okay, Ryan Coogler, is that his yeah, name? Yeah, Black Panther, um, Wakanda Forever. Does black Panther, which is like, yeah, which is like amazing. Yes, you definitely should have a black, you know, a black man or a black person, you know, doing this movie. Mm-hmm. But also like, can he make, you know, like, let he's a great filmmaker. Like, yeah, he let should him be tell making stories. Yeah, totally. exactly. Because um, plenty of non- black or asian people have been telling black and asian stories so can can i just tell you when i found out that memoirs to geisha was written by a white guy i was like (laughs) well why did why did like i didn't know i didn't consciously yeah like i didn't consciously know that but i i'm not surprised and i had you know this like books is a whole other topic Mm -hmm. but i actually family who pointed this out to me not personally like she wrote about it and she said something about you know like i try to read i'm trying to read more books by people of color or like if it's about a certain culture or thing that it's written by someone from that culture or thing instead of a white person because you know in high school we read all the books by all the white people yes we. so now i really try to do that and it's funny because my grandmother god bless her um she 
and I talk a lot about books and she was telling me about some books she was reading that are about these women in Africa, but it's written by like a white guy from England or something. Oh, and I the said, oh, Alexander McCall. Was it Alexander McCall? The secret detective? It's ladies. like some. Yes, yes, exactly. So she's like, great books, amazing books. I think it's made into a show. Yeah. And I said, that sounds really fun, Grandma. But like right now, I'm really trying to focus my time on reading books. Um, you know, if they're about yeah. a certain group of people that they're written by someone from that group of people. And my grandma is not, look, she lives in Berkeley. So that should tell you a lot about like, <laughs> she's more aware about these kinds of issues than others. Yeah. But she was just like, oh, Amy, like, fine, you're missing out on a good book. And like this whole, and like, why do you have to make it about that? And I'm like, I didn't make it about that. I just don't read that fast and so i'm gonna focus on reading yeah these that books that are stories told by their mm -hmm. own people that was a huge part of my grad school uh study was like the lack of representation because every semester in grad in graduate school graduate school every semester i'm working on my creative writing degree in graduate school mm -hmm. every fucking semester a required reading unless it was a specialized class like um I think at this school, they called it black lit literature, black mm -hmm. literary tradition or some shit like that. It's called something different at every school I've been to basically African-American <laughs> yes, lit of course. Um, and yeah. like, or like women's lit or like, you know, every, unless it's a specialized yeah. class, it's all white dudes. And then maybe, and then yeah. maybe they'll throw in like Maya Angelou or Jane Austen and I'm over here like, I can't, like, I just paid you all a lot of money and this is the shit you're giving me. Like, I read this stuff in undergrad, right. I read this stuff in advanced, uh, like honors English in high school. Like, come on. I was so pissed. So now it's my mission in life to like create courses that do the same thing, help you achieve the same thing, which is that, you know, deeper thinking and whatever, when it comes to literature, but we're doing it with texts that aren't written by white men. Yeah, have, I'm really, um, I'm currently reading Minor Feelings by, oh. it's actually right here, um, Minor Feelings by Kathy Park Hong, which I have been waiting to read this book because it's, I've been on the wait list at the library for like, I was like 138th on the list. Or oh something. my anyway. gosh. Um, so definitely, especially as a creative writer, you should read it because um, she's a poet originally like or by trade or whatever yeah um and she speaks to this she speaks first of all she speaks a lot about race in general and like mm -hmm. covers things like the black experience and whatever and um, but one thing that she specifically talks about is you know she she teaches also creative writing and um she talks about that like you know asian stories and also just minority stories in general are always having they require to be they're required to be told um as like a response to white people or like right. for white people to be able to understand an Asian experience mm -hmm. or a black experience or an immigrant experience. And it's like, well, why can't I just write about like being an Asian person, but not in these contexts? And I think mm -hmm. it's, yeah, like, I mean, look, everything we're talking about is full circle, right? It's in, if it's in the written, the written media, you know, it's in the on-screen media and then that cycles into things like what yeah. kind of Barbies are we going to make for kids? Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's yeah. just, it's all connected. It really is. And the importance of like the importance of being able to tell our own stories. I mean, we could totally go off, which mm -hmm. 
on there's a there was a lot of controversy the year American Dirt was rented was released from the Latinx community and I com- like I'm not even though I misidentified as being Mexican all the time you know they're not necessarily my <laughs> oddly enough me too oh my gosh it's so like it's just so mind-blowing <laughs> the weirdest me, I don't right? know right um but I understand like that plight of like hey like you're you watch I don't know that's a whole other segment that we could do it's yeah. really hard to watch authors and creatives of color trying so hard to make it and creating really amazing work by us for us and then they're not given the respect or the courtesy or somebody steals elements of it and makes millions of dollars off of it it's just it it blows my mind yeah. that that's still happening in 2021 like that shit sounds like it should be happening like 100 plus years ago but it's not and it's heartbreaking of course and I think yeah the part of grad school that really broke my heart I started grad school in 2016 I finished in 2019 and we're still we're like the decolonize your um bookshelf movement didn't start last year Mm -hmm. it's been a movement for a while and so for me to be in grad school and that's what they're peddling it was just like come on guys like let's move forward we've got like all we've just got so much work to do still and it's exhausting but we're here (laughs) we're here for it right Right. And then, and I mean, and like, we, you know, we can talk about this forever, but like, yeah. Okay. And then, you know, things like the decolonize your bookshelf movement, it's like, oh, because that's like a niche movement that mm-hmm. like only what I guess only people of color are doing it because they're tired of reading books from white people about themselves. But it's like, no, it should be a movement in academia, right? Like yes. where you're going to start teaching people these books or like reading them. But I guess it's like, oh, then you're probably going to have to hire all new uh, faculty because all of your faculty are not people of color mm-hmm. are not well versed in literature by people of color mm-hmm. and oops okay but yep um i love how in this podcast we have just overturned the entire all film the industry yes um the literature you know uh and academia yes. as well yes. so yes. Um, we're coming for all of them <laughs> <laughs> Because it's so important. Like I had my friend Shy on talking about Never Have I Ever. And I told her, she's literally my Mm -hmm. only Indian friend. We also live in a community that's Mm -hmm. super predominantly white. Um, And I told her, Mm -hmm. I was like, I appreciate this show so much because I learned it was like a starting point of understanding that it, cause you know, they show Indian characters all the time. Indian characters have to have Mm -hmm. an accent. Like they're not allowed to be non-accented characters. And I don't, Again, I yeah. don't understand that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so f- for that show to come out and be like, and same with reading Crazy Rich Asians, like I didn't realize mm-hmm. how diverse Asia really and truly is. Sure, Crazy Rich Asians has its issues and there's a lot of criticism about it, but mm-hmm. it sparked enough within me to be like, I need to read more. I need to do better mm-hmm. because I didn't learn this shit in school. It is infuriating mm-hmm. to grow up and get into adulthood and now realizing like the diversity and the differences and what exists within the landmass that is Asia. Like that's like Mm -hmm. how, what it blows my mind that we wouldn't, (laughs) it just blows my mind. It just blows my mind. And so this collective Mm -hmm. lumping together that happens is a disservice to everyone, but especially to the people who are descendant of 
Asian countries and cultures. Like that's just not okay. That's where their roots come from. It informs some of their decisions. And then to just kind of lump them all together and be like, you're Asian just seems so unfair. 100%. Also on that note, just a last note. And and that's so important also on the, the topic of that we've discussed of othering, right? Like Asian culture or things about Asians. I think it's, it'll be easier for people to kind of see them as less foreign one by knowing about them but also like we're all humans at the end of the day um and i think that's also a really important thing just about representation in general yes yes oh amy i am so glad that you are willing to speak about these things you know being jewish on your you know speak about being jewish speak about being asian and putting it out there publicly on your instagram so people like me can learn more and sort of dive a little bit deeper into what it is that you're speaking. And then it challenges me to reevaluate what I've been ingrained to believe or to think. And I think that's so important. And that's part of the moving forward and and better accepting all of us. I think it creates a dialogue. It it creates a dialogue and gives us language to those who know how they're feeling, but maybe have unsure how to express it in words. And I just, I just, Mm -hmm. it like, like I said offline before we started recording, I was like, every time I'm like, this is, she just like taught a lesson. What's her Venmo? Like, I need to pay this. Woman <laughs> so that way I can be like, yes, everyone Venmo time. me. <laughs> it, Low key, everyone Venmo me. Yes. Yes. Cause it's so important. <laughs> like it's, uh, that's not a lot of people are to making the effort and time to do that kind of work. And I think we need to respect and honor those who do. Thank you. Can you remind everyone where they can find you if they want to keep up with you online? Sure. Um, the best place to find me is on Instagram. Slide into my DMs, follow yes. me, whatever you want. Um, that's at the Amy Albertson, the A-M-Y-A-L-B-E-R-T-S-O-N. Um, and Julia, it's been such a pleasure. I know we can always talk for hours and hours. Um, I love the podcast. I listen to it pretty often these days. Oh, thank you. And I'm just like really excited that we had this conversation and I can't wait to have more of them. I'm excited too. And I would love to have you back to talk about Jewish representation in, in the media. I think that's an also really Let's important conversation. Super important, super Yay. important. And friends, I will link all of Amy's socials so that way you can hop on and learn along with me. As always, you can find us in between episodes on Instagram at Pop Culture Makes Me Jealous. And if you happen to enjoy this episode, drop us a review either on your podcast listening service or on Instagram. We want to connect with you. Let's continue this conversation outside of this room. Anyway, thanks for tuning in, y'all. Until next time. Bye.